0: coaching podcast is exactly that. A podcast for anyone involved in establishing, running or developing a coaching program within an organization. We want to answer your questions and support you in developing the best coaching program within your organization by speaking with those who have already been there. For additional resources and new episodes, check out possible.ie forward slash podcast. In this episode, Paul is joined by Eva Kovac, head of internal and executive coaching at GlaxoSmithKline. Eva has been involved since the start of GSK's coaching journey and has been instrumental in its growth to 400 plus internal coaches, a comprehensive internal training program and dedicated internal executive coaches. This episode covers everything from the how and why of setting up an internal coaching faculty to internal coaches competing with external coaches and their funding model. Let's have a listen.
1: Eva Kovac, thank you very much for your time.
2: Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the invite.
1: No problem. Um, so, Eva, I'd love if you could start by maybe telling us a little bit about your own background and how you came to coaching.
2: Yeah. So I'm a Hungarian living in London and my uh, current role is a global role dedicated to coaching. However, I started my uh, professional career more in uh, HR, kind of traditional graduate right? joining a big multinational and then progressing through the you know, different levels. And uh, what I know I loved was and what, what, I, what keeps, still keeps me interested is how can you sustain healthy high performance in the current business environment and therefore leadership, how we develop our talents, what sort of organizational culture we develop. This is all something that deeply interests me. And I actually had a breakdown some time ago when I was struggling with being a mom and having a big role. And I was not ready to go to therapy. So I went to a coaching training, which was all about self-exploration. And then I kind of started to find myself. I think it's a never-ending story. And then uh, I also found a profession which I deeply believe in and feel very, very passionate about.
1: And I'm curious, you said healthy, high performance. I think that's a really interesting term in in today's world. What, What do you mean by that?
2: Sustainable sustainable healthy high performance meaning how can we pay attention to high performance and the people and their well-being as they are delivering that performance so that it's staying sustainable and for that to achieve I think you need to be very attentive to the person we are not machines we need our downtime we need our regeneration we need our joy all that sort of things and Is the business or the environmental leadership permitting that, or can we self-permit and find our ways in, you know, demanding business environments?
1: We spoke off air a couple of weeks ago in preparation for this, uh, and you gave me a bit of an idea of how the GlaxoSmithKline coaching program started and the journey of it. Um, I wonder, could you just give us a bit of a sense of why it started and where it's evolved to today?
2: Yeah. So let me just give you a fear for where it came from it was a one woman show so basically the senior leadership uh, asked my boss Dan or my previous boss Dan to really think about what we could do with coaching and right now we have a Uh, all the three modalities of coaching meaning leaders as coach internal coaching faculty and external coaching faculty and roughly the number of coaching delivered is uh, 17 1800s a year and uh, most of this is internal coaching with 400 active coaches and the why so it was uh, 10 years ago uh, when Sally Boniva, my Xbox, started the the journey in GSK. And uh, there was a very clear understanding that leaders need to be able to navigate the not knowing. So how do we support the leaders to inquire, have conversation, listen well, have people to think differently because even back then it was very clear that the the same old, same old does not always work and get best re- results. So this is where it all started. And the ultimate intention was to equip our leaders with uh, sound enough confidence and competence to use coaching as part of their daily leadership.
1: Uh, and so it started 10 years ago to equip leaders. Uh, and you mentioned the kind of scale of it today. Um, I wonder, can you give me an idea of how that's changed i suppose and evolved over the last 10 years
2: yeah so back in uh, 2010 or ever since i think there were a couple of strategies that we always had uh, as important and that was what is the infrastructure that will support coaching equally how do we make sure we have the right external partners how do we equip line leaders with the right skill and as part of that we gradually developed a quite big internal coaching faculty. So we started to train internal coaches as part of the strategy to build strong internal coaching capabilities. Um, So this is how it started. But I remember the first two years of uh, this decade was all about training. I remember we were almost like an internal coaching training company. So I took a lot of countries and it was all about raising awareness Creating a standard understanding what coaching is or it's not, and what has some of the basic skills and how you use it uh, in service of improving performance. coaching mindset which is not tell but inquire and letting people find their own ways
1: we spoke about the need to evolve with the business and with the external coaching market can you give us a sense of what people should be watching for as a prompt for that change
2: yeah so i think uh, uh, externally uh, a lot has changed. First, I think the professionalization of the external market is very, very evident. So companies know better what they're buying. And I think there is a lot more appetite to find coaches with the right credentials. Also, while a couple of years back, to find the right coaches we wanted to work with, there was more, you know, through finding individuals. Today, we have big global coaching houses who really have amazing coaching services and um, and therefore you have different choice equally digitalization is impacting the coaching business so you have not just face-to-face coaching but very accessible coaching through technology so this gives you more choice as a company when you're thinking about what you're buying likewise internally i think what shifted is that as our leaders became more confident in their coaching skills, we needed to be thinking about how will coaching be complementary to what our leaders do. So therefore, we started to think about how do we position coaching and 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 right now it's absolutely part of uh, your development plan it needs to be agreed with your line leader tripartite meetings or multi-stakeholder contracting is absolutely part of the deal so that we have the input of the leader but also through involving the leader the coachee has more intentional support from the line leader so basically it's three parties who actually be, are in their own way responsible to delivering the results that is agreed in coaching, which I believe actually has a better return on the investment as well. And uh, we also needed to pay attention to how the culture changed and what has become more important. And very, very clearly what is true for us, while the previous CEO had the mandate of reputation, this CEO has uh, the mandate for performance uh, and how do you navigate that with your coaches and how do you therefore support the coaches so that they understand you're still working with the individual as a whole however you need to do that so that they're successful in in their roles and in a particular business environment so it's really almost thinking more systemically about not just the coachee in the room, but also that they have a background in the business that needs to be taken into account through the work.
1: Timely, I suppose that we're recording this during COVID and you talked about the digitization of coaching and using things like Zoom, which we're obviously on at the minute. Um, Has that always been part of the coaching mix for the want of a better term uh, do you think it's it's something that people have become a little bit more comfortable with over the last three months or just curious around your thoughts on that
2: I think it's a very important question and for us in GSK it's uh, probably naturally evolved over time and what I mean is we have 400 active Job Plus coaches right now. Job Plus coaches are the internal coach faculty. They are people who have their day job and are professionally trained and supervised and offer coaching services within GSK. And these 400 coaches are mostly, mostly in our big hubs, but basically geographically all over the world. And they do typically uh, an average 1,500 assignments a year. And all the coaches come from all over the place. So therefore, if it's possible, we try to locate people on the same side, but often it has some ethical boundaries. So it's, it's been from the very beginning part of the deal that if you are a Joe Plus coach, you will be quite likely to coach over technology because you will not be co-located with your client.
1: Uh, So you'd spoken about the professionalization uh, of coaching internally within the organization. Can you give us a sense of that and what's been involved to date?
2: Yeah, so I think we have a really vague of an internal coaching practice, but to get here, it was a very iterative process. So we started with training internal coaches first and our focus was how can we make sure they have the solid foundation to get started as a coach. And then Prior to that we were trying to make sure they also have clients so we did a lot of advocacy to make sure people opened up to work with internal coaches so that after training the coaches can practice right on and perhaps it took two years to establish that and then we started to think about so then what now we have trained coaches who practice what can we do to make sure they actually keep up their uh, mastery so we introduced supervision first and back then it was actually optional and we started to think about uh, webinars and development days where we bring together the community and bring in in intern- external speakers to build on the initial training and give them possibility to build the community but also to practice together as we probably it was around 2016 or so when we introduced job plus coaching standards so this is a minimum standard that you need to achieve to keep up your coaching practice and that was a certain number of clients a year but also attending three supervision as a minimum each year and then two other professional development activities which can be just an hour-long webinar as a minimum or or maybe more depending on what you wanted so that was what we this this is what we offer internally we also started to think about, is there a way, uh, perhaps a, a cost effective way to make sure we have more to our professionalization, uh, uh, which supports what we're already doing internally. And this is where we started an external partnership with companies with internal coaching practices like BBC and John Lewis and BE and the likes, uh, where we bring together internal coaches every year, a cohort so that they can learn together. And then we also work with Apex, the professional body in the UK, to make sure our job plus coaches who achieve certain level of practice get an affiliate membership, which is a professional recognition and being an R&D company that actually is pretty important. And what we did most recently is uh, we contracted with the community because we evolved our expectations and what we offer to the coaches over time. But what I realized along the way, we actually did the contracting one way. And in the spirit of uh, true coaching, this year we started the coaching practice kind of restating what it takes to be a a professional coach within GSK. And we asked all our coaches to make sure they're absolutely full-heartedly in Willing to do the practice, but also willing what it takes to be a good coach. And that was important because what we noticed, some of our coaches were absolutely 100% doing both, their development and developing clients. But some, because of the day of challenges, actually were lacking behind, perhaps either on client work or their on learning. So as pressure on performance is growing, we wanted to make sure our coaches are absolutely 100% clear uh, uh, what they're signing up for, and uh, this actually really gave an amazing experience of paying intentional attention to our development as coaches within the business, which I think is a really added uh, benefit.
1: In terms of what you've talked about you, you've mentioned already that you use external coaches as well as the large cohort of internal coaches. How do you go about selecting external coaches? on external coaching panels
2: so we centralized that back in 2010 because we sometimes still call it the wild west of coaching when were you know coaching was an evolving new profession yep. but there wasn't a, an understanding of what does could really look like and i think from a strategic perspective it's very very critical that you clear what sort of coaching you want in your company and therefore you really look for the coaches who offer you what you want. We were very, very clear that our leaders are amazing in telling and mentoring and supporting their employees and, and, and teams in all sorts of ways. But what was lacking back then, how can they inquire and encourage their teams to you know, find their own solutions? So therefore, we were very, very clear that we are looking for coaches who are coming from a relational, whole person Uh, centric and um, are pure coaches not business consultants so we therefore establish the process to make sure people who engage we engage in the assessment process have the right credentials but then we have a conversation uh, almost like a peer conversation uh, about their philosophy of coaching about their practice about their own development and then we ask them to coach us And it was quite an interesting uh, experience, or it has been an amazing eye-opening experience. What amazing people we met along the way, and amazing background in terms of their bios. And not everyone, absolutely not everyone practices the same way. So therefore, be very, very clear and select the ones who fit most what you're needing Uh, as we as as i mentioned we are changing some of the practices we have so we are in a process of going from managing 80 90 uh, individual uh, partners to finding partnership with coaching house and that's part of how the organization is evolving you know where do you want to invest uh, and what makes sense given where your business is and where it's going to. So we're kind of changing that strategy right now. However, even with that partner who we are talking to and, and f- starting to establish the relationship, we're very clear, we very clearly warned coaches who have minimal ICF accreditation at PCC level have been working In business, so have a very strong understanding of big corporate environments and what it takes to be a leader in this environment, and are continuously supervised and do pay attention to their uh, work.
1: When you were talking about the professionalization of the internal coaching function or department within gsk and one of the things that jumped to mind was god it must cost an awful lot of money all the training and supervision and constant development how is that funded
2: yeah i think that's another strategic question for anyone who thinks about this you know how will i fund this when we started the model that was established was self-funding model so basically whatever we did in terms of uh, our activities in the coaching team it needs to be self-funded meaning we were charging for the training we were delivering we were charging uh, for the, the business for training internal coaches but equally as we have a small group of internal executive coaches who work in the coaching team this is us who not just practice as coaches but equally um, make sure all the, our programs are, you know, well governed and ethically, absolutely sound. Then we coach in the business. Up until very recently, we've been charging for our services, just like you would charge for an external coach. So that has been the model. Now, as the organization shifting, it's uh, going away as well. But I think this model allowed us to get really creative and 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 somehow find ways to finance the supervision. So. Mm. From a business perspective, if I'm coming from, let's say, R&D and I train as an internal coach, as a job plus coach, then I need to pay for that. But then as a practicing coach, all my supervision uh, and any CPPD activities are taken up by the coaching team. And this is how we you know, do the self-funding piece.
1: And one other thing that you'd mentioned when we spoke previously and I found really interesting uh, was that sometimes internal coaches are competing against external coaches, particularly at the executive level. Yeah. Why is that? How does that work? I'm just really curious about that.
2: Okay. So right now uh, there is a loose guideline of uh, what sort of coaching is available. And it's typically linked to... Uh, certain levels in the organization on the other hand depending on your budget and also depending on what's needed you might choose different offering so for example at mid-level leaders you can go and choose to work with an external coach or you can choose to work with an internal coach but here it's um, less of a competition from a monetary perspective because if you work with an internal coach a job plus internal coach then it's not charged back to the business. If you choose to work with one of us in the team who we are you know, equally trained and uh, supervised and uh, we have the right credential like our external coaches, basically the coachee or the client has a choice. And where we get typically deployed is perhaps when people are transitioning into the company where actually having a bit of understanding of the wider system is absolutely useful or where our particular expertise or niche as a coach is meaningful yeah so I typically work with uh, female leaders with people who struggle with resilience people who want to find their own voice so it depends and then we do the matching conversation and if somebody says yeah I'm absolutely interested then then we do that
1: you've got one final question What is the one most important piece of advice you would give to someone when they are setting up or refining an internal coaching program?
2: Can it be a couple?
1: I'll allow you to.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you. So I think most important is really understand where the business is going. What are some of the pain points where coaching can be a leverage, especially if you're thinking strategically or if you're thinking more systemically? also work with HR closely because what I found coaching is best leverage, right? It's part of an integrated development program. So for example, we have uh, an uh, award-winning development program where where we build this inclusive talent pipeline, where we deploy group and individual coaching simultaneously. On the other hand, there are other interventions like uh, dialogues for senior leaders, In some of the programs, there is leadership program involved in the same program. So, how can it be part of something bigger which is addressing a strategic challenge? And this is where you need to be very, very close to HR in in your thinking. The other one, the third one, which I would suggest alongside focus on business, work with HR closely is stay true to your professional beliefs. And I think working as an internal coach and also managing an internal coaching a, a faculty well in, uh, ethically is not a small thing because you need to be very, very mindful of your role as a coach within a system which you're part of because you also have a day job and the way you interact with colleagues might not actually be aligned to how you need to be interacting. Uh, as a coach so being very very clear about your boundaries and then standing for them even if that means you're actually challenging some of the ways things are done in the business it's important and I remember my Sally Boniva, my boss t- t- telling me when I started to become an executive coach in the company Evie you're doing the best job when you are at the edge of being fired So we as coaches are all about being in good relationship, being in a trusted relationship, but also inviting the client to going beyond where they would be going um, on their own. So how can you do that? But how can you do that not just as a coach in your coaching relationship, but also as the professional who leads coaching in a business? Because I think that's 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 very important. And what I found whenever I represent coaching in any conversation if I come from the or I, from the mindset I hold as a coach and i 'm relational uh, and i 'm in a dialogue that actually always says coaching so I, I never think about selling coaching because at one level you know when we charge for it, we are selling it on the other hand if i 'm just am in a dialogue and inquiring and you know genuinely I'm curious about what the client needs even if I'm talking to HR about a particular challenge they have as an HR professional or a business leader I found that actually helped them to understand what coaching is and then open them up to work with coaching or use coaches or whatever was most appropriate and often when we had sorts of conversations sometimes it turned out it's not coaching what they need and then being able to say look how can I point you to a another colleague who actually maybe offers something that is more useful here and it's not coaching.
1: Eva Kovac, thanks a million for your time.
2: No problem at all. Thanks for
0: listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you would like to be a guest, have any comments or are curious about any topics in particular, get in touch with us on podcast at possible.ie. Music